going to start reading in verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands, holding to the tradition of elders. And when they come from the marketplace, and they, they do not eat unless they wash, and there were many other traditions that they observed, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God, and you hold to the tradition of men. Let's pray. Jesus, we've, we've, we hear your words. We want to be doers of your word, not just readers only. Pray for the grace to receive and the power to be transformed today. Spirit of God, we welcome you into our lives, our minds, our hearts. Give you freedom to rearrange anything that needs to be rearranged. Pray that we would be able to accomplish all that Jesus has set for us by, the, by your power. We ask this in the name that is above every name. In whose words we read today, amen. And amen. You can have a seat. As you're sitting down, tell the person on your right and left again, I'm really glad you're here today. I was a sophomore in college doing a summer mission project. There were about 20 other college students from my university there. We were having a time of prayer. The prayer time was over. One of my fellow students came over. I, I knew who he was because of that week, but we were not friends. We had never met before that time. And so we're having a little small talk. And you know the small talk where you can tell the big talk's getting ready to happen? And he said, I just want to ask your forgiveness, which again is weird to me because we had never met before. He said, I've spent the whole last semester at our university just really talking bad about you and not liking you and really kind of spreading that among people to your friends. I would ask why they were your friends and which was especially hurtful. And he said, I just want to ask your forgiveness. So I said, I forgive you, but I withheld forgiveness internally because I just couldn't understand why this guy would act like that. You know, I, it was the first time in my life where I realized that I was the bad guy in someone else's story. You know, because in my story, I'm always the good guy and your story, you're always the good guy, but probably you right now are the bad guy in someone else's story and it was so hard for me to wrap my mind around because I love me and I don't understand why anybody else wouldn't love me. So we're reading today the words of Jesus to the Pharisees. And if you've read the Gospels before, you know that 
The Pharisees are the bad guys and the scribes who come with them. Now, they're not bad in the sense that they're worse than us, but they are always the opponents of of Jesus. And, And oftentimes when we read the scripture, we're always reading ourselves as the good guy. But I want us to search our minds and our hearts today and ask ourselves a very important question. Am I a Pharisee? 2000 plus years later, am I a Pharisee? Have I accidentally and unintentionally become an opponent of Jesus? Am I a Pharisee? You'll notice in your listening guide, there are three main things I would love for you to take away today. But before we jump into those three things, a little vocabulary, I think, would be important for us to get the full weight and meaning of the scripture. First, in your listening guide, we need to know about the law. The law, also known as the Torah, is the first five books of the scripture. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This was known as the law, the will of God for the people of God. Then there was the verbal law. The verbal law, also known as the oral law, these laws developed as the how to the law's what? So we read in Exodus chapter 20, the crown of the law, the Ten Commandments, and it says in there, you should honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Meaning one day a week, you should not do any work. And for the Jewish people, that was sundown at fr- on Friday, all the way to sundown on Saturday. That was the Sabbath. That was the what. But over the years, these extra laws developed on the how. How do we do that? And that was the verbal law. The Talmud was the written version of the verbal law with collected commentary from respected rabbis. Now, this didn't happen until after Jesus lived, died, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven. But it's important for us to know, because even though it wasn't written down, it was all there. The verbal law, plus plus the commentary from the rabbis. There were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a religious political group dedicated to absolute observance of both the law and the verbal law. They wanted to obey both. The first five books of the scripture, plus all of the extra laws that were added in. Over time, there were the scribes known as the experts of the law. They were the public teachers of Israel. So if you were going to go to a Bible study class, it would be a scribe who would teach that class. Jesus mentions the word hypocrites. He reaches into the popular culture to grab this word. It was a word used to describe a theater actor. And then Corbin. Corbin was a designated gift to God through the temple system. So you own a Maserati. And God compels on your heart that you should give your Maserati. You could give it to God, dedicate it to God by giving it to the temple. If you were driving a Maserati in first century Israel. And that was your act of dedicating it to God. And they would sell it and they would use it for the ministry of the temple. So a few things I want you to remember when you leave today. Number one, am I a Pharisee? A Pharisee's actions are godly, but their heart is far from God. Let's read verse one again. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all, their, all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. 
And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Now, we already know from the gospel of Mark, if we've been paying attention as we're walking through this great gospel, that Jesus is out of sync with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He's out of sync with them about who he should eat with. They don't think you should eat with sinners. Jesus eats with sinners. They don't think that you should uh, do anything on the Sabbath, even if it is good. And yet Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. They make sure to practice fasting, uh, dedicating themselves to the letter of the law and not just the spirit of law. And yet Jesus' disciples do not fast. In fact, he was so out of sync with these Pharisees and scribes that they actually accused him of being demon-possessed in chapter 3, verse 22. And now he's out of sync with them about hand-washing. In your listening guide, the debate about hand-washing originally rose from the biblical command that all priests must wash their hands. From Exodus chapter 30, verse 19 and 40, chapter verse 12. By 200 BC, all Jewish people were expected to participate. So this idea of hand-washing, which if you read this and you're thinking in our modern sensibilities, you're like, the disciples are gross. Why would they not wash their hands? Every mother in here is like, these guys need a spanking. But they're, 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 this, is, this is not about germs. This is not about phobias and flu and fever and just common cleanliness. It's about spiritual cleanliness. Because it was, and Jesus mentioned this, a tradition of the elders, meaning those rabbis that were respected over time, it was their commentary added on to this law from Exodus that priests should wash their hands. Eventually now everyone should wash their hands. And it wasn't just a be clean, it was a ritual washing of the hands. In fact, if you want to read later, you'll notice in those verses uh, a little letter or number that signals to go down to the bottom of the page of your Bible and you'll see that it mentions a fist. So in the original Greek language that Mark wrote this gospel in, he actually mentions a fist, but the translators have taken that out for us because it's so hard to understand so that we would know what they're talking about. So even there was a specific way that they needed to wash their hands. They needed to make a fist, a kind of an open-handed fist so that they could pour the water in and it would roll off their fingers and through their hands to cover the back of their hands. Remember, they don't have running water like they, that we do, so they could just move it around. So there was even a specific way because there was some rabbi somewhere who said, you know, if it's good for the priest, then it's good for everybody. And uh, maybe we should do it in a real specific way. So you can see all of these laws piling up on top of what God intended. Right? In fact, you see on the screen, talking about honoring the Sabbath, Sabbath, this is the debate that some rabbis had. The rabbis debated about a man with a wooden leg. So Maybe a joke. Uh, if this, if his home caught on fire, could he carry his wooden leg out of the house on the Sabbath? You weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. Right? These rabbis, they actually debated this. Well, what if a guy has a wooden leg, but he's taking it off? His house catches on fire. Is he breaking the Sabbath by carrying his wooden leg out of his house? And, and Jesus comes in Mark chapter seven and he says, you guys have missed the boat. 
He, he, Mark mentions the washing of pots and pans and cups in that Talmud that we referenced early, earlier. 35 pages of it are devoted to how to properly wash a dish. And the Pharisees, they wanted to obey all of these laws, all of them. And Jesus says, your heart is far from God. Your lips and your service and your actions, they look so godly, but your heart is far from God because that's the unique thing about the God of the Bible is he commands Yes, but he commands your love. In fact, that's what Jesus quotes when someone comes to trick him and say, which of God's commands are you going to prefer? Which one are you going to say is the highest? What's the priority command? And you remember what he says, quoting from the Old Testament, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all of your strength and all of your soul. God commands our love. He commands your heart today. So action is not enough. It's good. It's important, but it's not enough. He doesn't want godly action, but a heart far from him. That's why Jesus calls them hypocrites. Again, it's a theater word. He says to the Pharisees and the scribes, you guys are putting on a costume. They're putting on a costume. You look the part. You act the part but it's not real. It's just surface. Sometimes we even do such a good job acting that we even fool ourselves. That God is pleased with me because I've arranged a life that would be pleasing to God. But if our hearts aren't in it today, if our hearts aren't in it today, he would say the same thing to us that he says to these, you hypocrites. Number two, Am I a Pharisee? A Pharisee picks and chooses which commands to obey and which to neglect. Verse nine. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. So Jesus uses as an example, he says, you guys are just picking and choosing which commandments you're going to obey in the verbal law and the regular law. And he says, in fact, all of your verbal law, all of those commentary from the rabbis that you think are equal with the law that God gave to our forefather Moses, if you obey that verbal law, you're actually going to disobey God's law. And he picks Corbin as an illustration. Now, again, Corbin was a way that you could dedicate what you have to God. Uh, So in our culture, when we think of passing something on to someone, we think of it as our children. We wanna have an inheritance to take care of our children. But in the first century in Israel, it was both. 
in your working years, you not only had to look out for your children, but you also had to look out for your parents. There were not big retirement plans back then. There were no 401ks. There was no social security. There were no pensions. And so there would be working years. And then you really entrusted yourself to your children to take care of you. And this was the way it was. In fact, it was a joy. It was not a burden for these people to take care of their parents. But some were using the verbal law to just keep for themselves so that they didn't have to be responsible for their parents. So they say, you know, mom and dad, I'm in my prime years and I have this great Maserati, which I could sell and really take care of you, but I'm gonna dedicate it to God. I'm gonna give it to the temple. I don't have to give it to the temple right now. I can kind of keep use for it of myself for a while, but eventually I'm gonna give it to God. So therefore I can't sell it and I can't use it to take care of you. So I don't know what to say, but you're out of luck. And actually some of the Pharisees and scribes and those who sat under their teaching were doing this. They were using the verbal law to get out of following God's law. They were picking and choosing which commands to obey and which to neglect. Now, I would judge them except for I do this. In our hearts are a scale system, I think. And we think, well, I'm neglecting this one, but I'm obeying this one. So maybe they'll balance out. Because that's what we think God cares about. He cares about the end result. He cares about the sum total. So if the sum total all works out, then it's going to work out. So, you know, we're sleeping together. That's bad. But we're doing Bible study. That's good. I don't tithe like the Bible says. That's bad. But I serve. That's good. I gave $5 to that homeless guy. But then I told that other homeless guy that I didn't have any cash when I did. As long as it balances out. Then we make deals with ourselves. We make these agreements, we do the math and we think I'm lacking here, but I'm doing good here. And our life is just kind of this seesaw where we're trying to make everything balance. But what happens is we just end up picking the easier commands to obey. And we just ignore or forget the other ones. This is what the Pharisees were doing. And this is what we do. So if today you would say, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing, then we're answering the question today, then you are a Pharisee. And so am I. When we pick and choose which to obey and which to neglect, this is exactly what a Pharisee does. Number three, a Pharisee prioritizes outward ritual over inward righteousness. Verse 14 And he called the people to him again and said to them, so Jesus has been talking and now he says, I want you to come in a little bit closer. And what he's getting ready to say, one commentator, historic commentator, William Barclay said, this is the most revolutionary passage in the gospels. He says, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. 
And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Now, what Jesus is speaking to is a very important question. What makes us clean before God? Which is a relevant question. I'm wondering today if if some of us feel dirty before God. We feel polluted. We feel embarrassed. We would feel ashamed. And we are all asking the question, how can I be clean before God? The Pharisees and those who followed their tradition, they would say, whatever you do on the outside is what makes you clean. How you arrange your life. And then specifically for them, what kind of foods you put in your body. So you can't eat pork. And if you eat pork, it makes you unclean. You can't do this very specific thing. You can't eat shrimp. You can't eat shellfish. That's in the Old Testament. So every time that you go to Papa Do's, you were sinning if you were following the Pharisees. And Jesus says, no, it's not what goes in that makes you unclean. It's that awful stuff that comes out. And then he makes this list. Evil thoughts. I mean, just listen to this. See, I'm sure you're not guilty of any of these things, but I am. Try it on. See if it fits. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder. And remember, Jesus amplified. He says, if you've ever hated anyone in your heart, you're guilty of murder. Adultery. Again, he amplifies it. He says, if you've ever lusted after someone, you've committed adultery. Coveting. Nobody in Houston would ever be guilty of that. Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Now the disciples didn't understand when he first started talking about it, Jesus had to elaborate. In fact, they didn't fully get it here. Because again, this doesn't feel that revolutionary to us because we're Gentile people who followed Jesus 2000 years later. But even Peter had his hard time had a hard time wrapping his mind around this because you remember in Acts chapter 10, God had to give him a dream. He was sleeping up on a roof and God had to give him a dream about animals so that he would get in his mind that again, it's not what goes in your body that makes you unclean before God. It's all the evil stuff that come out. So look at this list. Look at this list. I'm guessing that you're guilty of at least one of these things. How are you gonna fix that? Just for the record, Jesus is the one who gave this list. Religious, conservative voters did not come up with this list. The Republican Party didn't come up with this list. 
Some mega church pastor who wore a suit in the 70s didn't come up with this list. Jesus came up with this list off the top of his head. How are you going to fix yourself? And what a lot of us do is we put on a costume. That's how we fix it. We put on a costume that is the opposite of this list. We put on a mask that says, oh, I would never envy. I would never be filled with greed. We put on a shirt that says humility across it. We put on shoes of kindness and not gossip and slander and evil thoughts towards people. And Jesus, I mean, just like he does, he just sees right through the middle of everybody. He says, your costume doesn't make you clean. You're going to have to find a better solution than that. You know, the sad thing is, is you don't even like that costume you're wearing. And it makes you look good. No doubt about it. But the fact that it's not the real you drives you crazy. And so if you're wearing a costume today, like I am, We're Pharisees, which means we're the bad guys in the story. I don't want to be a bad guy. I don't want to be the opponent of Jesus. How can I stop? Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 18. Listen to these beautiful words. And he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That's us. Those of us who think, well, I can put on a costume that looks righteous and that's good enough and treated others with contempt. But that's, that's another message for another day. So we don't have time uh, to go there. But uh, if you wear a costume, what happens is you start looking at other people who are real and authentic and not as pretty as your costume and you start judging them. That's step two of being a Pharisee. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the tax collectors were the worst. Again, that doesn't mean a lot to us. We read IRS agent and they're annoying, but probably pretty well-meaning people. But a tax collector was an evil person. They were evil. They were thieves. They were liars. They stole. They broke all of the commandments. And then they partied on top of it. A Pharisee and the other tax collector. And the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Can you imagine praying that prayer today? Right before we leave, we just want to thank God for all he's done in our life. And one of the things you thank God for is that you're better than the person sitting next to you this morning. God, I thank you that I'm better than my husband. I mean, I don't want to judge him, but gosh, he like is a total loser spiritually. I've not seen that dude read his Bible in six months and I've been kind of moving it out around the house to drop the hint and it's still dusty. I thank you that I'm not like my husband before you. I thank you that I'm not like that person across the room. I'm not sitting next to him, but I know their story and I know their struggle. God, I thank you that I'm not struggling like that. That's what this Pharisee does in Jesus' parable. Thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. That's another sign that you're a Pharisee is you're always listing off your resume. I fast twice a week. 
I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus says, you don't wanna be a Pharisee. Then you say to God, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You're tired of putting on a religious costume, so good at it, you don't even realize that you do it. Daily, you come before God and say, God, have mercy on me. I know what's in me. I know what's in there. I know the evil thoughts that I have. I know the wicked thoughts I have. I know the foolishness that's bound up in my heart. I know the lies I tell. I know the exaggerations I give. I know the greed that lives inside. I am aware of all of it. And I just wanna say to you, God, have mercy on me. You can't be a Pharisee and ask for God's mercy. To ask for God's mercy, you have to admit, you have to admit what's on the inside. And the good news, Jesus says, who went home justified? Meaning who went home clean? Who went home clean? The one who cried out to God for mercy. So if you're asking yourself today, what am I gonna do about all that's in me? Ask God for mercy. He's already provided it. Because mercy has a name and that name is Jesus. And all of the evil in you that landed on his shoulders on a hill outside of Jerusalem. He wore the sin of humanity and put it to death. So your wickedness and my wickedness, it doesn't have to have the last say in us. Those evil thoughts that run around your mind, you can have victory over those and so can I. That's not the only thing that's true about you and true about me anymore. And it all starts by just saying, I've been wearing a costume. I don't wanna wear a costume anymore. God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner today. And we can go home justified, clean before God, not based on what we do, but on what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. read the words of Jesus why don't you take just a second just ask him directly what's my next step of obedience after hearing your words and understanding their meaning God what do you want me to do next together in the name of Jesus. Amen.